Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast here in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. Welcome. Guys, welcome. big, big, welcome. big episode this week. We're covering beers from the Good Wolf Brewing out of Truckee. We've got some beer madness round one results. We got two movies. We got some comedy later on and Hot and Bothered. We're not doing the comedy, but just a review of a show we both saw recently. Um, it's going to be a good episode, and I think before we get into it, per usual, Johnny, maybe tell everybody where they can find us on the internet in case they want to find years and years of episodes and all sorts of fun content. Yeah, please don't listen to the first year of episodes. They're not good. <laughs> we're, we're a, we're a like, third, fourth, fifth season type get show. Get established with us now, and then when you go back and listen to the early stuff, it'll all be fun because we were, where you're just like, look how, look how much not great it was back then. But you'll laugh exactly. at us, but kind of with us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your audio media podcast stuff. If they can be rated, do it there. Sure. Instagram, we're most active on. It's the easiest way to get a hold of us uh, or keep up with us. Twitter, slightly less active, but we're still on there. Uh, Fresh Hop Cinema, at Fresh Hop Cinema on both of those, as well as Letterboxd and Untapped uh, at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can email us, FHC cast at gmail.com thank you to everyone that emailed in brackets we really appreciate that look forward to giving away some fun prizes yeah. there uh you can also find us on patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema that is the funded by you type situation that's happening uh it lets our listeners donate as little as a dollar a week four bucks a month hopefully more than that but hey if that's all you got we'll take it yeah um Thanks to Jared Schmidt. He just rejoined Patreon. He had to take a little breakity break. Oh, so dude. shout out to him yeah, for I'm, coming back. I'm gonna give an extra shout out to Jared because he had like, he had to go like an extra mile because like, something between Patreon wasn't working in his card, and, like it was a PayPal thing. Um, no, he got his card stolen. No, so this is even after that. He got his card stolen. Oh, got, shit. A, got a new card, and then it told him it was working, but it wasn't working on our end. So so we chatted today. He was like, I got to get this thing working. So we figured it out. And the way he did it was he basically deleted his account that's been with us for years, and he's like, I'll just start a new one. Uh, so he just rebuilt it from the ground up. And I think all of that took after he figured out he was going to restart like three minutes, which again is a, is a glaring endorsement of how easy it is to sign up for, for Patreon. If you would like to. Also, I respect the dedication of someone trying so hard to give us money. I know it's just, it's, it really warms your heart, doesn't it? It does, man. It makes me feel real special. Um, thanks, Jared. Yeah, this, thanks, Jared. this episode's dedicated to Jared Schmidt. I said it. Deal. It's also it's also not one of those things where you just have to give us money for no good reason. We have all sorts of bonus content, um, which is to say, Patreon people, uh, look in your feeds. This Sunday, the 28th, we have a review of a new hard seltzer made with agave. We saw it at Spike's Bottle Shop today and picked it up and gave our thoughts on that. The, the TLDR is that Johnny said it's basically just like a watered-down margarita, which could be great if you're not craving the strength of a margarita. We talked about it for like 10 to 15 minutes. I think a pretty good conversation. That's right. So if you want to hear more of that or top five lists or some history of movie stuff, we try to keep it fresh, interesting, fun for our patrons. And, you know, it's not going to be long. We're going to be doing events again. The movie theaters have opened back up. We've been known to rent a movie theater for our patrons, have some private parties, maybe some backyard bottle shares. Mm -hmm. So as soon as the world is opening up and we can do it safely, we will all be getting together again. Basically, I'm saying there's never been a better time to join Patreon. I think that's correct. Cool. 
And that is all the housekeeping that we have. So let us dig in to some beers that some good friends sent us from Good Wolf. Yeah, they're, uh, the Good Wolf Brewery is out in, in Truckee, and I can't remember exactly how this started. I know, Johnny, they were on your radar a little bit, and at one point, our, we reached out on Instagram, and we're like, hey, love what it looks like you're doing. We'd love to try it on the show if you guys ever distribute. And um, Matt, the head brewer, was like, well, we don't, but I could get some beers your way, basically. And he went out of his way to make sure we got some beers, and that's what we're drinking on the show today. Um, and I... I'm not positive of the scheduling, but I'm going to throw this out and I can edit it if I have to. But um, the plan is to have Matt on for an interview and that should be in your feeds uh, sometime between when this episode drops and next Friday. So keep your eyes open for that. It should be a fun conversation. We'll talk about um, brewing and how he got started and maybe some movie talk and kind of all the stuff we do on the show anyways, but with uh, with the guy behind the Good Wolf. Excellent. That is super exciting. Yeah, these guys first came onto my radar from Brian McGillivray. If you know Brian, you love Brian. How would people know uh, Brian? Uh, Brian was a former brewer at Sierra Nevada and then brewer at 50-50 in Truckee right. and then now brewer again at Sierra Nevada. Uh, and he was the first to kind of like let me know that the Good Wolf is doing some amazing stuff. Him and also Charlie Johnson at uh, Ronin Fermentation oh, had nothing but the highest praise for the Good Wolf and how great of guys they are. They'll do anything for you and they're making world-class beer. So they were uh, both people that I really respect in the industry. And also, you know, Brian being a close friend, Charlie being kind of a new friend, but still, I think friend, I, I, I have a tendency to trust his opinion since he makes such good beer. So it definitely put these guys on our radar and I am super, super stoked to be able to dig into two of their beers on our show. Hey guys, this is Matt Petio from The Good Wolf. And hopefully you're enjoying a couple of our New England IPAs that we brewed, um, A Thousand Leaves and Hop Goblin Drum Circle. Um, I was just going to take a second to talk about sort of how we approach IPAs before I get into breaking down the beers. Um, with our New England IPAs, first off, we love making hoppy beers. We do a lot of hop forward stuff. Um, it's just, it works out well for us that people like to drink them because we, we like to drink them too. And I love brewing them. And really with our New England IPAs, we look for you know, a, we make ours on the drier side. We want, we like them to be more sessionable. Um, and we're really kind of chasing unique and like deeper hop, hop profiles. Um, so yeah, we try, we try and sort of push the envelope with, uh, um, some of the hopping with New England IPAs. I think a lot of times they can be like loggers where there's delicate differences between them, but, uh, God is in the details and, you know, the difference between greatness and mediocrity is, can be just a minor thing. So we really pay a lot of attention to our IPAs. Um, we love, um, we're, we're looking at aroma and texture, uh, mouthfeel are sort of the, the two big factors with our New England IPAs that we're looking for. Um, the, f- the first one, um, is a thousand leaves. Uh, now one's got HBC 586, um, hop breeding company 586. It's an experimental hop, um, that we got our hands on and the growers kind of describe it as like mango, guava, lychee. Um, but for us, we got, we just got like a ton of berry on it. Um, we loved it. It was, it's one of my favorite IPAs that we've done just cause the hop profile was so unique. It was like starburst tricks. Um, when it was fermenting, we pulled a sample off the tank and we got Marie Callender's 
like berry pie. Uh, I was really stoked on this beer. It was definitely a different one. And then um, the second one is Hobgoblin Drum Circle. Uh, And this is kind of our love letter to Mosaic, which we call the Daniel Day-Lewis of hops because it's good in everything. Um, It's got Mosaic and Mosaic Cryo. Um, we're, we're, we try and get our hops. We're fairly particular about the farms that we like to get our hops from. Uh, we're small, we're a tiny brewery. So, um, it it can be hard for us to get our, our hands on like certain farms hops from time to time. Uh, luckily, you know, we've got friends, so, um, we, we've been able to get our hands on, on some awesome hops. And these ones came from Crosby farms and they grow just insanely good mosaic. It's like really dank blueberry i i think good mosaic has a lot it's just super blueberry forward that's my favorite type so uh yeah we got uh, crosby mosaic in there and then we um did another dry hop with um mosaic cryo which we're pumped on using um but it can be a little tricky because if you dry hop a little too much with the cryo it can get it push into the caddy grassy range um but if you're use a lighter hand with it, I think it can really kind of add another layer of depth to the mosaic flavor. And that's kind of what we were shooting for with Hobgoblin was just like sort of different layers of mosaic um, uh, because it's a hop that we love. Um, With a lot of times with our hops too, you know, we look at the oil content um, and really like the quality of the oil content and also the quantity of it. Um, like how much is in the hop, how much oil is in the hop? Cause that's where a lot of the aroma and flavor characteristics come from. And, and for example, like, like an old school hop, like cascade will have somewhere between like uh, 0.8 to one milliliters per 100 grams of oil, um, or myrcene, uh, which is, uh, an oil that we're particularly interested in. Um, whereas mosaic, it pushes, you know, closer to the 1.5 milliliters to 100 gram range so it's it's fairly significant in terms of crossing that aroma and flavor threshold um that's the quantity really the most important um factor that we use when um when sort of uh evaluating hop flavor and aroma is the the quality of the hop oil and it's there's no metric for it. It's, uh, you know, it's smelling the bag, rubbing the hops. And then oftentimes you'll rub a hop and it'll have certain characteristics, but after fermentation, those characteristics change quite a bit. So, um, you know, it's sort of getting used to, um, and having experience, um, using certain, certain types of hops and understanding how they're going to express themselves after fermentation. So, um, mosaic's one of the hops we use a lot of, uh, because it's just awesome. And Hobgoblin drum circle is definitely like, you know, our ode to that hop. So, um, yeah, uh, I hope you enjoy them. Uh, thanks for checking out our beers and, um, yeah, I'm stoked on the podcast. Take care. Yeah, the first one is a, is a New England IPA called A Thousand Leaves. It's 6.2%, and off their website, they have this to say. The Good Wolf Brewers were able to get their hands on a lot of an experimental hop enigmatically known as HBC 586, and things got crazy. Layered on a base beer with generous amounts of flaked oats and wheat, we heavily dry hopped with 586, 
We get amazing aroma notes of Marie Callender's mixed berry pie, Trix cereal, fruit salad, and ganja. It's like a perfect stoner date night. Johnny Summers, I believe in my ears, I heard you take a sniff and or maybe a drink of this beer. Um, Am I right on either front? I took a sip and a sniff and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, I've been experiencing this beer with as many senses as I possibly have. Uh, Oh, you know what? Before you give me your feedback, I I feel like this caveat needs to be thrown out, both because we're covering two New England IPAs today and because you and I are both neck deep in our Beer Madness tournament where we've been more than usual drinking New England IPAs, a style that you've increasingly been a little bit burnt out on. So I want to say if you like this beer, I think it speaks extra volumes to how good it probably is. That's one hundo P. Okay, continue. Absolutely. So yeah, man, the first thing that really smacks you about this beer is its nose. The aroma is just so present, and I get a lot of melon and just fruity, like just all kinds of fruit notes. Very like very melon though for me. Very, very like honeydew, cantaloupe. Not so much watermelon, but those two melons for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it's. It's definitely punchy with the the fruit notes on the nose, and on first sip, it's it's little hoppy, real like hazy tasting. It's got some juice to it for sure, but it's not overwhelming with that. And the thing that stands out about this beer a hundred percent is how light it is. It yeah. is so effervescent and drinkable and like crushable. And that's not something that you ever really say about New England IPAs. Like, at least in the ones that I can remember in my experience, it's been maybe three or four that I've ever had that I've been like, I would crush this New England IPA. But this is so crazy drinkable and just amazing smelling and really pleasing on the palate. This is a a big win. This is like really surprising. This is one of the more surprising New England IPAs I've had in a long time. Have you had a chance to try this yet? Yeah, I just tasted it and I was looking at the can and I noticed uh, a couple of words that they put on there that wasn't on their website, but it was words I was about to say anyways. And they started off by saying pillow soft base beer, which was enough for me to be like, yeah, I think that's pretty close. Like, Because I think when you're saying you don't often say that a New England IPA is crushable, um, when I hear you say crushable, I think like maybe um, a Pilsner is crushable. Is that yeah. right? Like there is something so light about this beer. Um, and again, 6.2%, it's not the heaviest alcohol by volume I've ever had, but it, it does feel like if I, in my brain quickly compare New England IPAs of a similar alcoholic caliber, most of them are much heavier than this and, and just more viscous. And there's something really light about this one. Flavor wise, I'm less of the uh, melon persuasion that I'm getting. I'm more like a, like pineapple and like tropical fruits, like papaya kind of stuff jumping out. Um, mm-hmm. And there's definitely that hoppiness too, but the dry hopping makes it so it's not this bitter punch. It's just like, like boom, hoppiness. And then it kind of fades to sweetness and then it rounds off at the end and is basically gone by the time and you go for another drink. it's not too sweet. No, it's definitely not. But it is sweet, but not, yeah, not overwhelmingly sweet or anything. Yeah, it's like just sweet enough for what it's for. Like so many of beers of this style just overwhelm me with sweetness that like it makes you wonder if you're even drinking a beer anymore. Whereas this... This knows how sweet it needs to be. This is this is damn good, Max. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to find anything wrong with it too. Like I'm I've had maybe, I don't know, 3 or 4 ounces at this point. Like it's not getting old. I'm not sort of finally taking a peek behind the curtain of Oz and seeing somebody else moving this machine. Like it's 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 just I think good, solidly made through and through. Do you have anything you don't like about it? Hmm. Man, it'd be tough. I mean, Honestly, 
person like personally I would like to have a bit more hoppiness but I I'm really loving the balance that it's finding between the hoppy bitterness and the dryness and the juice of the dry hopping and the finish um I don't think there's a lot that I dislike about this beer this is this is uh, a magnificently made beer mhm mhm um as I took another sip there I I agree man I I'm wondering if it's just leaning and the, the, we're getting into the nitpicking realm here. Um, if it's leaning a bit heavily into those pineapple notes for me, like it, I don't know exactly that the pineapple tropical fruit stuff works a hundred percent with the hoppy notes that I'm getting. Like there's some weird game of tug of war being played there. I don't necessarily dislike it, but it's the one thing about this beer that doesn't feel a hundred percent harmonious. So that's be like the thing that would keep it from being a 10. Yeah. I think that, and that's the one thing that I've, that I've found thus far. I'm still going to have a few more sips here, but um, I, I'm agreeing with you for sure. Like it's, it's an astoundingly made beverage. So my thing is it's so much thinner and like it has a better overall mouthfeel than like a lot of New England. Like that's mm. a big thing that I don't like about this style is yep. that coating mouthfeel mouth, and just the thick heaviness. And I'm, I'm wrestling with it in my head. Like, is this beer too thin? Mm. Wait, I know. Is yeah, that right. a, is that a thing? Like, I know it's supposed to be a New England IPA and it, it's like too thin to be that style almost, which almost makes me feel like a neg. it's a negative, but I like it for that. But also is this beer too thin and does it feel almost like a little watered down? It's really like I'm wrestling with it because I feel like that's how they wanted it. And it's supposed to be that light and that drinkable. It's just so far removed from the mouthfeel that you're used to in seeing a can that says New England IPA that it's it's like breaking my brain. I don't know whether if, like that's a negative or a positive right now. I just I know I like drinking it, but stylistically it's like I I don't know. I think, I think that's more of like a question for a brewer. I would love for you to bring that up to him uh in your interview. Sure, I think that'd sure. be a great question. I think my pushback is that if you're going to give it a pat on the back for being hoppier than most New England IPAs, and you're allowing it that stylistic leniency there, I don't know that you can come back and criticize it for breaking the mold in a different aspect necessarily. Right? That's what I mean. I'm like, it's breaking my brain. Like, I don't think that's a valid critique. I think it's just a thing that I noticed that makes this beer different, but I like it for it. Yeah. I also think yeah. the style of a New England IPA is so flexible, partially because it's a relatively new style in the beer game compared to like the oldest beers in the world, um, that there is that sort of flexibility stylistically. Like, you can have... You can have a light, not necessarily juiciest beer and, and still call it a New England IPA. Like we did a beer a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. I don't remember, but um, it was, uh, I think we saw that it was classified on the internet as a West Coast, but it was in everything but name a New England IPA. Like mm. in that case, I'm like, well, no, like you can't, you got to call it a West Coast. You got to at least have some of the benchmarks, but here it's like, yeah. there's enough going on that I'm like, yeah, this is a New England IPA. They're like, I'm willing to to bend a little bit on the, on the body and the sweetness and the hoppiness. That's fine with me. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I think it's just weird things I'm noticing. I don't mm. think they're negatives. I definitely think it's just more, more of an observation that like, wow, it's not thin to a fault. It's thin to a really enjoyable and drinkable degree which is really cool man yeah maybe one of the best new england ipas i've ever had yeah dude what i'm digging about it in addition to everything we've just said is that like oh man i was just saying this to you about about like kids movies and we were going into this week's episode i was like i almost feel like i have to pay extra attention to kids movies because i don't think there's always that much to talk about and to some extent i feel that way about 
sort of average New England IPA. It's like, yeah, it's a beer and it's sweet. And here's the tasting notes. And this one is like, this is catching me off guard. I don't have to work very hard to find things that I find interesting. Like it makes for good conversation. I think, I think good beer should make for good conversation. You know? Mm. I think that should be like our new slogan. <laughs> let's, let's sell it to somebody. We don't need that slogan. We can come up with slogans no, all day. Like it, good beer, good conversation. Yeah. It's just, it's so comp. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's very yeah. true though. Yeah. Like a, a really well-made beer. It should, it should surprise you should in inspire. at least one or two ways and inspire. Surprise, delight the senses. Yeah, man. Yeah. There's, that's like why we have bottle shares. That's the 100%. reason we get yeah. together and swap these things that we've collected to see if it sparks something in us and like to try this new art that people have made with with handheld things. Like it's 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 such an interesting edible medium mm-hmm. of art that mm-hmm. craft beer can it can elicit such vast response. I think you're right. It should inspire some interesting conversation and you don't have to go very far with this beer to find something to say at all like yeah really like i wish i had more i just drank all of mine it's gone yeah okay <laughs> um well i suppose on that note we should give it a rating and then we'll put the good wolf to sleep for just a little bit and we'll come back later but in the meantime a thousand leaves from the good wolf johnny summers out of 10 what are you going to rate this spears incredible 100 percent incredible i'm already highly motivated to travel there to get more of their beer mm-hmm. i will be making a trip to Truckee just to go to the good wolf i would love nice. to meet these guys uh this is upper echelon world class i would put this against any treehouse any alchemist that i've had Whoa. as far as my personal level of enjoyment uh and I would probably enjoy it just as much as any of those, if maybe mm-hmm. not a little bit more because yeah. it's not as heavy, but it still packs all of those flavors in just a insanely well-made package. This, this beer's a 9.3, man. 9.3. That's yeah, it's a, kind of a shame that we didn't have this a couple of weeks ago before we set our beer madness bracket. This would have been a great contender, I think. Um, yeah, for me, it's a nine, man. Um, I won't, uh, expound too much more. I think I've said all I have to say. Um, but again, a thousand leaves from the good wolf. I don't think you can just get it around, but they do have, uh, open hours. If you check them out on Instagram, you can head up to truck yourself. If you're here in Chico, it's just, uh, you know, hour and, uh, what do you think? Hour 45. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Take a day trip. Why not do it? Um, okay. That's enough beer for now. Uh, at least that's enough beer to drink for now. Do you want to talk about some, uh, some beer madness, my friend? You bet your sweet patoot that I'm ready to talk about some beer madness because round one was a real barn burner. We had some close matchups. We had all kinds of drama. It's literally been madness. Max, <laughs> tell us more. Okay, housekeeping notes off the top. Yes, round one is closed. If you go to our website today, round two voting is open. It will be open until Wednesday, March 31st at 2 p.m., so get your votes in now if you haven't. Um also, if we haven't received your prediction bracket uh, at the time that you're hearing this, it's too late. You missed your opportunity. Uh, again, like you said at the top, dude, uh, thanks to everybody that submitted them. Should be a really fun uh, contest to do some math in, in a few weeks here. Um, so let's go over the results. You know, I think we I think we do it this way. I think we start with sort of the basic matchups that uh, were not, not nothing too crazy, no blowouts, no close calls. And then we move down the list and get to those close calls and blowouts and work our way through some of these, maybe pepper in some fun conversation and talk about our predictions a little bit if you're cool with it. Let's do it, man. Okay, so I've got a list in front of me. Johnny, why don't you kick it off with uh, matchup number two? How did it play out? Tell me who was in it. What were the results? Yeah, so pretty pretty basic matchup. Nothing too surprising here. We had, in matchup number two, we had Pulp from Fieldwork going up against Lull Something Hazy from Lagunitas. Not to be confused with Hazy Little Thing. Yep. 
from Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pulp ran away with this one to a reasonable, acceptable yeah. degree with 64% yeah. of the votes uh, over Little Something Hazy's 35. Really no surprises there. Pulp's kind of a, a local area favorite. They, they're just so widespread, it, it's not surprising. So Pulp moves on to round two. Yeah, we also had another uh, not super close one. We had uh, matchup number five, which was Mind Haze from Firestone Walker versus MC Squared from Equilibrium. Uh, both, well, we did MC Squared on the show, but both of us thought that uh, Mind Haze was going to have a pretty good chance because it's in like every gas station and people have had it and Firestone's a bigger brewery and have better marketing or more marketing at the least. Um, and we were right. Mind Haze took it with 58.53% to uh, MC Squared's 4147 No surprises, but still sad to see MC Squared fall this early because I think it is the superior beer of the two. I, I do too, and I think that if you're in Chico, you should head down to SNS Produce and get yeah. some Equilibrium beer. Andy's actually got like eight of their beers in oh, stock sick. right now as of hearing this, and they're all fresh. And there's some real hitters in that lineup. So don't sleep on Equilibrium. They're making their way to Chico. Yeah, Keep them on your radar. That being said, moving on to matchup number nine, we yeah. had the probably favorite, I would say my like the favorite for me, this is a very high ranked beer in this competition. Oh, Julius, yes. it's from the number Treehouse. two seed. It's the number two seed. The in number case two cares seed. About that. Yeah, yeah. So second ranked in this competition, Julius from Treehouse, pretty much spanking Voodoo Rangers Juicy Haze IPA from New Belgium mm-hmm. directly on the massive corporate behind <laughs> with sixty five percent of the vote yeah. versus Voodoo Rangers thirty four percent. Thanks for coming. New Belgium, you may see your way out. We will leave this to the craft brewers going forward. That's number nine. Can I number just, ten? Wait, I got to point this out. Like I, I, I went to the the uh, very extreme extent of writing all these decimals, thinking that like you rate things on the show with decimals, and you're like skipping the decimals every time. And I feel like they're really interesting because <laughs> like, you didn't even round up on the last one. You're just like sixty five, even though it was sixty five point seven four, which should have rounded up to sixty six. I just don't understand your brain. I guess. <laughs> I mean, we're just trying to rattle off. That's like, true. These words. aren't the most interesting ones. You're right. 65.74%. Uh, no. All right. In matchup 10, we got slightly more local. We had Socks and Sandals and IPA going up uh, from Humblesey uh, against Valley Hayes from Tioga Sequoia. Both beers we have done on the show in the past. And Socks and Sandals took it 59.3% of the vote to, uh, to Valley Hayes 40.7. I think no surprises. I also think correct voting. Good work, everybody. Yeah, I, I I agree with that one. Uh, and at number eleven, we had a beer that we've done on the show. Two beers. Well, uh, two what? Yeah, two we, beers we've yeah, done on the yeah. show. No. no. Uh, yeah, Dust Bowl sent us Peace, Love, and Haze, and it might have been a Patreon review. That that's possible. No, I just drank it and posted a picture of it. Oh, is that right? And did a review. Yeah, because oh, okay. we're on we're on Dust Bowl's release uh, schedule. They <laughs> send us one can. And an info sheet, and yeah. it makes it on our Instagram every time they send it because they send us free beer. You deserve it. <laughs> Let's hope but this, yeah. this doesn't change that. Yeah, so Weldworks has been on the show, the Juicy Bits, and uh, Peace, Love, and Haze made it to our Instagram. So varying levels of success for sure, these two sure. breweries. Uh, Juicy Bits, no surprise, came out ahead with 62.94. I'm in. With uh, Peace, Love, and Haze getting 37.06% of the votes. That's a pretty handy defeat. No surprises there. Next up, Orderville won versus a relatively new beer. Something not that widespread or well-known. Fire, Skulls, and Money from Toppling Goliath lost with 37.82% of the vote. Orderville, no no real surprise there. Won 62.8% of the vote. 
no, no real surprises there. Yeah, you and I uh, both however, had Orderville yesterday. Yeah, um, very good beer. Good no beer. surprise, and it's a year-round beer from a very widely distributed brewery. It's it's more of a household name. Fire Skulls and Money, way more specific. Yep. Way less people have tried it. Yep. No real surprise. Agreed. Uh, number fourteen, one of our most anticipated results. Mm, I would say these two so. breweries are both super, super good friends of the show. Sure. I mean, we both know people that work at these breweries. I'm friends with a lot of people that actually work at New Glory. That's why I hate and this then, matchup so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it sucks. It's Ugh. like watching your kids fight in the yard. Uh, sure. And then Hen House, we've been involved with them multiple times. Bob has been really cool. He's gone way above and beyond for the podcast. So they are officially friends of the show as well. So we have two friends of the show in New Glory and Hen House. Yeah, going well, up and last each year, other. yeah, New Glory made it to the uh, to the uh, championship round with with um, uh, Ubedank, and then yeah, and Fall River had Hex and uh, Kyle, one of the brewers in New Glory, like sent in a voicemail. Like I was so bummed to see that this was a matchup, um, and we, yeah, we had Soaked from New Glory this year and Hollow Moon from Hen House. Uh, so Johnny, how did it play out? Who's moving on? Well, our second place winner from last year. Went ahead and won the first round this year. Soaked from New Glory won over Hollow Moon from Hen House with 55.91% of the vote. Hollow Moon walked away with 44.09%. One of the more closely contested uh, matchups in the the not quite surprising round, I would say. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm sad, but I'm pleased, but I'm sad. Yeah. I missed Hen House already. I look forward to seeing what they crank out, what will be in our tournament next year. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the number two runner-up from last year, moves New on. Glory, moves on to round two. So let's get into some close calls. And these are beers that won by 5% or less of their respective vote. And, Ooh, that's uh, close. These, yeah, we're getting into some nail biters. And uh, this is matchup number six. And we had Green Gate from Secret Trail, local favorite, going up against Bag of Tricks from Moxa. Uh, and Secret Trail won. I don't think super surprising for a Chico-based poll, but they won with 54.75 of the vote, and Bag of Tricks took 45.25%. So Moxa is out of this tournament for the year. Dare I say what's more surprising is that Greengate didn't win by a larger margin. Chico, that what are you doing? Surprised what me. are you doing? Yeah, let me actually take seven, and I'll leave you with three, and you can stick with that surprise train in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Number seven, we had another really closely contested one, not only uh, closely in the contest, but closely these two breweries are geographically. We had Disco Ninja from Revision against Yojo from Moonraker. Uh, both of these beers have made waves, especially in the accessibility factor of New England IPAs. I think in Chico in particular, like putting the style on the map, like these beers have been around, especially when Moonraker started, like Yojo was like very sought after, um, tough to get, that sort of thing. And it was close. Like there were pushes made from Revision on social media and it was so tight for so long. And then over like the last day and a half, Revision came ahead and ended up taking it with Disco Ninja for 53.94% of the vote. So I am sorry, Moonraker and Yojo, no more for you. It's a bummer. I mean, the local face-off, somebody had to win. Uh, So on to matchup number three. And this matchup begins a long, long list of things that disappoint me about my choices and also (laughs) this this bracket and this whole competition (laughs) in general. So let the long parade of disappointments begin. At number three, we had Make America Juicy Again from Heretic. Mm -hmm. And we had Hazy Little Thing from Sierra Nevada. You know, one of the biggest breweries, one of the biggest breweries in the world. Yeah. Like that's in our hometown. That's like less than a mile from where I'm sitting Mm -hmm. right now. I know. 
Oh, I'm a little fired up right now. I'm sorry. I got to take it down. But somehow my bracket got completely busted in the first round and make America juicy again yep. from Heretic. Beat Hazy Little Thing. What? Mm. I know. By mm. 53%. I can't do the, the that's fine right now. I, I don't have it. Upset. Make America juicy again. Knocked out our fucking hometown Hazy. I had Hazy Little Thing, just so you know, winning in my bracket. We'll talk so, about brackets in yeah. a minute. I know. A little, little salty. So congrats, Heretic. I need to drink that beer again. Right. Because so that's maybe what I was going to say, will... too. I haven't had it in a long time. Like, so many people were just like, boom, this one, this one. I was like, really? Is it is it that much better? Because, again, like, we have Hazy Little Thing anytime we want it, basically. And there's actually a lot of spots in town that have Make America Juicy. And I know it's at Spikes. Um, I'm sure it's probably at SNS. Um, a lot of places will have it on tap in the next couple of weeks. But, man. Surprise. Yeah, surprise, so surprise. that's a that's a bummer. So that's cool. Uh, all right, moving on. Yeah, so number we had f- matchup number fifteen. Yeah, we had two um, that I personally hadn't had, so I, I don't think I even voted in this one. But it was smarter than Spock from Monkish going up against all the way up from Urban Roots, and it played out that uh, Monkish took it with fifty two point three three percent. So the margin is narrowing, but uh, Urban Roots is out of this competition for this year. Fair enough. The Sacramento favorites. Damn. I was hoping all the way up would go a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I feel like they rotate so many beers that it's hard to pick out one and like hang their hat on it. Definitely so, is. Yeah. Bummer. I still love your urban roots. Be seeing you soon. Johnny, what was the, the closest, the closest matchup we had? The closest matchup we had was ghost town from Oakland with sacrificial oat and track seven out of Sacramento was suka hop. This was separated real close. Uh, Sukahop walked away with 48.66% of the votes. Sacrificial Oat from Ghost Town, 51%. So 48% to 51%. Mm. The margin of victory, the slimmest so far in round one at matchup number four with Sacrificial Oat winning against track seven. Someone just did that math in their head and they knew it ended up at 99. Uh, there were decimals. He left them out, but there was 100% accounted for. Nobody freaked out. Yep. Okay. 100%. <laughs> so um, let's get to some walk of shame, some walks of shame, walks, walkers of shames, shall we? And this is where sure. my, my personal heartbreak will come in. So I'll take this first one. Um, this was matchup number eight. It was Wonder Dust from Bear Bottle going up against uh, a show favorite from last year, Tamayar from Lagabeer out of Montreal. Uh, very, very great beer. It did not win here in California, which is real sad. I, I don't think that should deter anyone from getting it. It's around town. Please pick it up. But Bear Bottle with Wonder Dust took 76.05% of the vote. Pretty decisive victory. That's aggressive. What else you got? Yeah. At number 16, we had our championship brewery returning with their submission for this year's competition. I'm talking about Fall River Brewing, and their hazy New England IPA submission for this tournament was Num Num Juice. So mm-hmm. that beer absolutely decimated yeah. fresh haze yeah. from I, uh, from Deschutes with 76.68% of the vote. Uh, oof. Fresh haze only got 23.32%. Yeah. That is rough. And also for round two, we're rounding up decimal points. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds great. Um, um, yeah, I don't. Man. I'm not surprised. Like, had a great showing last year. Fall River did, and, I'm, and like, I'm super surprised. No. You take your not surprisedness and calm down with it because fresh <laughs> yeah. haze 
is a really good beer. Yeah, but uh, not you, gonna yeah. lie. Sorry, Fall River, you're friends of the show. I voted for Fresh A's. You, but this is the same thing I just talked about at the beginning. Like you're over the New England IPA, and this is the reason I think it's accelerating in this tournament is that it's a perfect example of a New England IPA if you like juicy, not hop forward beers. It's a great example of that. And you're like, it's too sweet. And it's like that's the point. People love it. Gosh darn it, people love it. <laughs> okay, um, let's get to our our second to last big blowout. I'm gonna take this one. It's just Hetty Topper from The Alchemist. Obviously, was going to win this no, almost no matter what, and it was going up against Cannabis uh, series Hazy IPA from Oscar Blues, one of Johnny's favorites. Unfortunately, Cannabis was defeated with only 21.2 percent of the vote. Hetty Topper took it with 78.8 percent. Johnny, uh, I hate to make you do this partially emotionally, but could you please tell me about the biggest blowout of beer madness and why it hurts extra for you? Fuck you, man. <laughs> you said there was one yeah. beer in this tournament. If you had to pick your ride or die beer for the rest of your life, yep. one New England IPA to conquer them all, you picked one of the following two. Yep. Play taps in the background, please. Okay. Lower, lower. Sure. I, no, I got, don't, please don't make them suffer through it. I'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I had caped really hard for radioactive fallout from El Segundo Brewing. But unfortunately, in these early rounds, certain sacrificial lambs have to be given to the lions of breweries like Russian River for the slaughtering and eating. And unfortunately, radioactive fallout fell to Mine Circus from Russian River by a staggering outcome of 81.25% of the vote to 1875 Radioactive fallout from El Segundo has been jettisoned from this competition by Mind Circus from Russian River. So, no no surprise, but still, it hits close to home. Sure. It's sad. Uh, I love radioactive fallout. I still think it's a very worthwhile and delicious beer. It's available in Chico. We've said this so many times so far, but please try it. It's good. I like it. Yeah. It'll make you happy. Just try it, guys. Come yeah, on. It doesn't deserve go. this kind of abuse. This was just disrespectful. <laughs> just, just made such a loud pop in my mic. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at your bracket now, dude. You had Hazy Little Thing winning the whole thing, um, which Shut means up. at least half of your bracket is screwed. But there is a chance that you get some points as this week or these few weeks continue. And and we'll see. Um, as the weeks go on, we'll update this every single week on the podcast, on our website, around town. If you've been to Burgers and Brew or the Handlebar or the Commons, you will see our bracket up on the wall and you can follow along there. A lot of those places will have some of these beers on taps. So if you haven't tried them, try them there and then uh, vote in the whatever round is happening when you happen to try them. Johnny, do you have anything else on Beer Madness or do we uh, set it aside for the time being? Vote, vote, vote. Tell your friends to vote. It's yeah, fun. Spread the word. Do it. It's fun. I've had people already that have texted me that have gone to places that have our brackets up and they're like, how do I get in? Like, what do I do? Yeah. So and just we're vote, like, we put a, it's We put a QR code. It says, cast your vote, dude. Just uh, scan it. No, I didn't. I wasn't that <laughs> condescending. I was yeah. actually very helpful. Good, good, good. Uh, so yeah, tell your friends to vote. It's going to be fun. It's great. Also, tell your friends to listen. That That helps too. All right, Johnny, I'm going to play the nice folks a trailer for a movie you saw this week. We're going to call it a flick pick, and it's a film called A Sean the Sheep Movie, colon, Farmageddon. Here's that trailer. Johnny Summers is going to fill you guys in on what that movie is in just a minute. Sean's back. But there's a new arrival in town. Lula. Who's a little alien. She's about to discover Whoa. that our world is pretty sweet. 
But she's far from home. And in big trouble. To help her get back, they'll need to outsmart the bad guys. Be prepared. Stay focused. And stick to the plan. Let the creators of Chicken Run take you on an adventure that's out of this world. Get ready for a close encounter of the third kind. Armageddon, a Shaun the Sheep movie. That was a trailer for Farmageddon. <laughs> if you were wondering why it was oddly silent, there was no speaking in the movie. There was really no dialogue. It was a lot of animal noises and fun stuff like that. So, a very visual film. Mm. We are covering a Shaun of the Sheep movie. Farmageddon because it say, is, wait, it's not Sean of the sheep like Sean of the it's it's a Sean the sheep movie oh is he like that's the main character that's Sean the guy who knows that's, that's, I didn't see it I've, but I would guess there was like a movie before this you should oh you've never you didn't watch this movie did not watch it couldn't get to it okay so obviously this is one of a series of movies sure uh yeah uh man so we're, we're covering this basically because yes. it is one of the animated feature nominations for the Academy Award this year. And if we cover this and we cover Over the Moon, we have covered every single animated feature. We have closed out the category. We've mm -hmm. got firm mm -hmm. opinions on every single one for the animated feature category. So those include Soul. We've got your Wolf Walkers. We've Oof. got Shaun of the Sheep. Shaun the we Sheep. Have... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to say it every time. It's not going to fail. We have Over the Moon, Onward, and did I say Soul? Because Soul. You did. Uh, also, just to clarify, there was Sean the Sheep movie, Sean the Sheep colon, The Farmer's Llamas in 2015, and now officially 2019, but slated for a, a 2020 um, uh, reckoning, a Sean the Sheep movie that is hard, hard to say, Farmageddon. So just to clear that up, there have been a few. Absolutely. All right. So Sean the Sheep movie. It is a 2019 British stop-motion animated science fiction comedy film produced by Ardman Animations. Mm. It was directed by Richard Fallon and Will Bescher, Bescher nice. in, the, uh, in their feature directorial debuts. And it was written by Mark Burton, John Brown, based on an idea by Richard Starzak. This actually grossed $43.1 million at the box office, wow. which is impressive. Well, it came out in 2019. I guess so. Yeah. It was uh, they had some time before the world shut down, and now a brief synopsis: When an alien possessing strange powers crash lands near Mossy Bottom Farm, Sean the Sheep quickly makes a new friend. Together, they must run from a dangerous organization who wants to capture the intergalactic visitor. 
Yeah, this came out actually February 14th, 2020, but I believe it had some time in theaters before that, yeah, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I watched this. I sacrificed myself to the Farmageddon for the good of the show. And man, it was surprisingly entertaining. I thought it was, quite frankly, an adorable movie that had some really nice, wholesome undertones. It felt pretty unique in its writing and its approach. Also, I love stop-motion animation. I think it's really neat to see how these movies kind of come together. And I don't know. I might need to go back and watch the other Shaun of the Sheep. Right. So, like, n- like, not only... Shaun the no, Sheep. It's not go of... It. You got it. Shaun the Sheep. Yeah. So, this is definitely stop-motion. It's also claymation. And that's kind of what Artman Animation is known for. They're the people behind, like, the Wallace and Gromit movies. Um, Chicken Run back in 2000. They did that stuff. And it seems like this movie is very much of the same aesthetic. Which, if you like, mm-hmm. you'll probably like this. Like, it doesn't sound like it's maybe the most certainly heady movie or something you can necessarily dig too deep into. But if you like the the kind of goofball, like fun foley design and sound effects and like clay stuff, maybe this is right up your alley. It's not that I don't live near that alley personally. Um, part of the reason I didn't watch it. So I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was really pleasant. It had nice characters, nice character development. It definitely had the same feel. Like I was a big wallace and gromit fan i loved chicken run so i'm kind of here for this already like i just like it and i like the it's like i like british humor quite a bit and when that's translated into animation or stop motion i think it it translates in kind of a fun way and it takes the dryness off of it a little bit so Uh i mean it makes them especially with no dialogue it makes you really rely on more more physical Mm -hmm. and whatnot so I think this is a really good movie, man. I think it it's worthy of a flick pick, not only just to round out the category, but because I think it was uh, entertaining. It had a good story. It had good writing. It was funny. And it was very entertaining. So overall, thumbs up. I like this movie a lot. Okay, then since we haven't actually discussed Over the Moon yet, we'll get to that in a little bit here. But um, of the other three options that we have seen and talked about on the show, we have Soul, like you said, Onward, Wolfwalkers, and now Farmageddon. Does you mentioned it was it was nominated for an Academy Award uh, in the animation department? Is this the one that you think will win or should win? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I don't think it's the one that will win. Mm-hmm. Is it your favorite one? Do you think this? You think this is better than Onward? No, I don't think it should win. Either. Do you think it's better than Soul? Hmm, no, no, I do not. And do you think it's better than Wolfwalkers? Ooh, you didn't love Wolfwalkers. I didn't love Wolfwalkers. I would say I enjoyed this more than Farmageddon, but simply because it was more my style of movie. You enjoyed, I wouldn't you say, enjoyed this more than, than Wolfwalkers. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say objectively that Sean the Sheep Farmageddon is a better movie than it. Wolfwalkers. Yeah. Uh, I would say Wolfwalkers probably overall was a better movie. Mm-hmm. But personally, for my taste, I would watch Farmageddon again over Wolfwalkers. Got it. Okay, uh, you got anything else on on a Sean the Sheep movie colon Farmageddon? I mean, it had some metaphor. Like if you looked for it, like there's 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 stuff in there. Sure, but I mean, I think honestly, it was probably a bit deeper of a movie and had more substance than our featured movie this week. So well, I'll say that we can discuss that perhaps after a break. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's that. That's bed. Sean Sheep, not of. Farmageddon. Where can people watch it? 
Netflix, man. It's two clicks okay, away. Perfect. Go watch it. It's fun. Uh, when we get back from our break, we're going to talk about another animated film called Over the Moon. If you haven't seen it, we will not spoil it without giving you plenty of heads up. So don't go anywhere. I personally have been enjoying the basketball games of this March Madness so much. I have been actually watching a bunch of them at the handlebar because they have a bunch of TVs and a great happy hour seven days a week from two to six. And silver lining, they also have a banner with our tournament, the Beer Madness Tournament, which is featuring Hazy IPAs this year. You can check it out, scan the QR code and vote. More importantly, you can enjoy all the games. You can enjoy some time on the patio. Like I said, the happy hour. They have great food, amazing rotating beers. You can check them out on Untap to see what's on tap right now. They support us. You should support them. The Handlebar Chico right here in town at 2070 East 20th Street. I love to hear about the moon goddess. Again? Tell me, Mama. A beautiful woman and a handsome man were in love. But she accidentally took a magic potion and floated away leaving her true love behind. Now she waits for him on the moon. Oh, poor lady, that goddess. So lonely up there on the moon, dreaming of her one true love. Holy the church! Jin! Ah! It's just a silly myth. It's not a silly myth. It's real. She's on the moon right now, waiting for her true love. Right, Papa? Uh. He used to believe in her. If Papa could only believe again. It's you and me, Bungie. We're the last true believers. We're gonna prove she's real. I have a superpower. No barriers! Papa, he ran into a wall. Uh. Ready. Hey, Chung, I'm gonna be there soon. All right, again, that was a trailer for Over the Moon. I lifted some of this from Bill Jabiri at Vulture, who says, Over the Moon follows a 12-year-old girl named Feifei who has lost her beloved mother to a terminal illness, and four years later, she struggles to reconcile her continuing sorrow with the fact that her father is considering remarrying. Feifei is a science whiz who also happens to believe fervently in Shanji, the Chinese moon goddess who thwarted love for the ar- whose thwarted love for the archer Hoi Yi was one of her mom's favorite stories. Struggling with the fact that the world expects her to move on from both her anguish and her childhood belief in a magic moon queen, Feifei gets the bright idea of building a rocket to the moon to go meet Shanji and prove that she exists. That's right. This movie was directed by Glenn Keane and John Cars. Screenplay was written by Audrey Wells. Our cast includes Kathy Ang as Feifei, Philippa So as Shanji. We have Robert Chu as Chin, her younger brother, stepbrother, potentially. Spoiler alert. Sure. No. Yeah. Not whatever. really. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and then we had 
Ken Jong as our globulous green sidekick. Yeah, is it like is he like a pangolin? Is that what that animal is supposed to be? He's kind of yeah, like a like a shape shifting pangolin type situation. Which I love pangolins. Sure, yeah, he plays a uh, named Gobi. It's a character on the moon. There's lots of moon characters we'll get into here. But uh, this movie first came out at the Montclair Film Festival back in October of 2020 and was subsequently released for net, uh, streaming on Netflix. And it runs an hour and 40 minutes, so right in that wheelhouse of a uh, uh, fun new children's movie animated by a pretty well versed company. We can talk about that in a little bit here. But um, in the same vein as a Shaun the Sheep movie, Colin Farmageddon, we wanted to cover this movie so that we could have hit all of the animated feature films up for the Academy Awards this year. Johnny Summers, this was, I believe, um, your suggestion first. I wasn't super aware of it, so I want you to give me your initial thoughts. Would you mind? Yeah. Over the Moon was visually stunning and pleasing in its its tones, while also, for me, still very underwhelming in a lot of departments, including like writing and and plot progression and and just the overall story. So for me, I had a lot of problems with this movie. I'm going to get into them. I'm honestly pretty cold on it, if you hadn't guessed already. Uh, I thought there there were good notes to it. I believe the word derivative is going to get thrown around quite a bit in both you and my own reviews of this. Mm-hmm. It just felt done. It felt like you copy and pasted a formulaic children's movie from one culture to another that isn't white. And that to me just feels like so reductive and just not fun. Like we could have gone so many different ways with this to make it more unique to Chinese culture and more interesting, but it just felt done, man. It felt really done. And I didn't like it. A lot of the stakes of this movie I felt were really just basic and, also like non-existent as you heard in the the synopsis that max read it, it centers around a young girl's loss of her mother and the relationship that we had in the plot or the character development between her and her mother lasted all of three minutes on screen it was like mom was dead before like the opening credits were over it felt like it was just so I didn't know why I should care. I mean, and if I'm a six-year-old, I'm caring. So I think this is reviewed by me through the lens of someone that watches a lot of of movies aimed towards children but have an adult caliber level of of writing and, and plot progression and involvement. And this, to me, felt like it was not only meant for children under eight, but it was specifically written for them in a, such a hand-holdy type way that as like a grown person, I'm like, okay, this is – I like kids' movies a lot of the time. This feels like a kids' movie that's way – like a like way, 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 way kids' movie. So for me, it was just not engaging enough, and I just wanted a bit more out of it. And I'm – again – reviewing it from the the perspective of someone that is expecting a bit more even out of a kids movie as a children's movie this was probably fine but as a movie overall it was full of holes and and it left me pretty disappointed yeah in a review somebody on Roger Ebert said uh, Netflix is over the moon is the story of a girl who goes to the lunar surface and finds a Disney castle a Disney princess, and even an Olaf character. I'm exaggerating, but not by much. This is a film that so blatantly cribs from other popular works that it never develops a personality of its own. And that kind of sounds like what you're saying. And I, I agree with you to some extent. Like, I, 
again, I didn't have much expectation going in. Didn't know much about this movie. Um, I think it looked really great. Like, um, same with Raya and the last dragon gorgeous movie. I don't know that it brought a whole lot to the table in terms of story beats or, or any narrative devices. Um, I mean, even the place when, when they get to the moon, uh, it's called Lunaria and, and it's some combination of like Asgard from Thor. Like it's got its own Bifrost even at one point that we'd ride on. Um, yeah. which also like, and they do it. It looks really cool. Like, I think it was so fun to watch. Like they, especially when they first get to the moon, like the moon is very black and white deserted. And like, you get these beautiful colors from these like Griffin type creatures. And that's gorgeous. Like those were food dogs, by the way. What's a food dog. It's a dope character in Chinese mythology. Oh, cool. Um, and like, also I would say if you're much of a weed doer as a grown up, watch, maybe watch this while doing weed. I think that would just be, mwah. I think just like the brightness and the vividness of it. I didn't, uh, but I could see that working really well. And I would say you should do that because I don't think there is too much that you need to pay attention to narratively as a grown up. Like we've heard these stories, like you're saying, like, um, it's been done. Now you mentioned like this story just kind of being juxtaposed for a different culture. Um, and I think you said something along the lines of that being lazy, which kind of is, but I also see a lot of value in maybe a young Chinese American girl who's never seen herself represented in this story, like getting something from this, which I think very powerful. Um, along the lines of derivativeness, like I don't, I don't think that I need that mother relationship to be fleshed out really. Like I'm okay with it not lasting super long. Like we've all had a mother or a parent figure at the very least. Like I understood immediately when she died. I was like, I know how that feels like I've lost loved ones. Like I get that. Um, and I understand sort of the jealousy of like another woman coming into her dad's life and like kind of invading their space. So that stuff worked for me too. Um, and uh, I think where this movie does do a really good job is some of those cultural things. It's like, like there's a whole brilliant, maybe like seven minute sequence in the beginning where like, cause the, the family makes mooncakes and there's this gorgeous montage of like them making the food. I mm -hmm. love a good food making montage, especially in animated films. Like I think of like Isle of Dogs, there's that sushi making scene. Like it's mm -hmm. man, I don't even like sushi, but I was like, I could go for some sushi, you know? And this had that yeah. same effect. I want that mooncake. Um, mm -hmm. and in a lot of those early scenes before we kind of take off to the moon, like there's a lot of cultural establishment that happens. I think it's really, really well done. Like that world feels lived in. And I also think the jumping between animation styles works really well here. Um, so all that's good, but from, from, yeah, from a grown up movie watching perspective, I didn't necessarily think I was going to be surprised ever. And I don't think that I was, and that's okay. Um, I enjoyed it enough is what I'm saying. And I just, I won't probably revisit it, but it's a fine movie to put on. Um, and it's not going to be, I think the winner of that Academy Award, nor do I think it should be, but I, I liked it enough. Agreed. And I want to touch on the Academy Awards. So please don't let me forget sure. that. I did want to bounce a couple other things off you. One thing that didn't work for me was the songs. Yeah. You don't like musicals though. I loved Moana though, because the songs worked. Like That's if it true. works in a movie, like the Lion King songs worked, like you go back to all the Disney movies in the past, like the songs fit with the plot and they were memorable and they had good writing. And like, honestly, there was a scene where I'm like, oh, they're just ripping off Hamilton right now. Oh, actually, I can't believe I didn't shout this out earlier. Uh, Philippa So uh, was in Hamilton. She played uh, she played his uh, wife, Eliza. So I thought that's a that's a funny thing you just mentioned. How, which song? Do you remember which song you're talking about? It was the one that they played while uh, while Ji and Chin were playing uh, ping pong. Yeah, no, Philippa So played Shanji. That's very funny. Maybe you haven't even seen Hamilton, have you? Yeah, I have. I hated it. You Every watched the whole thing? Of it. No, didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Did you tell me? I that? tried. No, I didn't. 
wearing a Hamilton shirt right now. Okay, I'll let it go. Didn't, didn't matter for now. Didn't I tried? I watched like an hour and a half of it. It's it's a long time. Yeah, it's so fucking long, man. But we're having a nice day. Let's not ruin it with our disagreements on Hamilton. <laughs> hey, I can see why you liked it. Right. It just wasn't for me. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I can see what you mean. Like, I don't know about necessarily relating that song to Hamilton, but there are a lot of songs that come in this movie. It's like. Oh, okay. you shut your mouth. They were rap singing, Max. Not go back and watch rap that. Is Hamilton, though Bro, it should be any good one. Go probably. back and when they just sneak a musical rap musical song into a movie that has no rap singing. Okay. It is so clearly nah. ripping off Hamilton. Okay, maybe, but what if it's also like kids, honestly, I could go on and on. I could explain every natural phenomenon. The tide that's the same thing. Like that's another rap song in an otherwise yeah. not rappy thing. And that's Moana, not but, Hamilton. That's fair. Maybe Hamilton ripped off Moana. Did you ever think about that? Well, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote a lot of the stuff in Moana, so is it ripping off if it comes from the same person's brain? I don't think so. He ripped himself off. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I, yeah, like it didn't bother me as much. I actually liked that sequence quite a bit, but mostly visually. Yeah. That, that's my case for I, most of the scenes in this movie. Like, I liked it, but mostly because of how cool it looked. Mostly you could have watched this movie on mute and been like, I get it. It's cool. I don't agree with that. But I, I mean, it still would hold up pretty well. You know, if I was in the silent movie area and I had to pick a movie and I'd be like, I mean, maybe this one, you know, Did they're you like, just we don't disagree have with color screens. Did you just disagree with me and then agree with me? I, I have a hard time just blatantly disagreeing with somebody. I like to be a yes and guy. So at the very least, if I have to disagree, I'm like, no, but maybe, you know, who, yeah. who wants to just be shut down all the time? I'm not trying to do that to you. I don't know. I just, if you disagree, I want it to be firm, aggressive. Yeah, okay, and, fine. We'll see how that... I'll do that for the rest of the show. We'll see if you like it, and we can reevaluate next you're week. You're like, nope, no. I disagree. And then you're like, yes, and I'm like, no. And then that's not a podcast. That's an argument. Well, some podcasts are terrible, too. I know, because no, there's no... Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, but there were times where I totally like was just like out of it. I was out of the dialogue of what they were saying, and I'm just like, this is just pretty. Like, there's no... I don't know. And then the green guy that's just obviously Olaf or obviously the chicken from Moana. Yeah, I had a hard time with the green guy too. Yeah. But but I did love the bunny. The bunnies were cool because there was two bunnies. That's true. True. There was the the jade rabbit, which yep. was uh, yeah, Bungie. No, no, no. The white rabbit was Bungie. Uh, what was the jade? Was it just jade rabbit? I think it was just jade rabbit, yeah. Okay. There was a space rabbit. That was cool. I mean, yeah, for sure this mom- this movie had cool moments, but to me, it, I was distracted the whole time because I'm like, if that guy would have just talked to his daughter about him wanting to date again, like <laughs> she wouldn't have had to like well, build a rocket so, to the moon. Okay, so maybe we should unpack this. And actually, I think it's Danger Zone stuff, but I will um, make a note of that because, never mind, I won't say anything else, but I do think that's worth unpacking. Um, and as, a, as you were mentioning the, the rabbit, especially the space rabbit, I connected this movie to another film that it feels maybe it owes a lot to, which is, is Coco. Like- especially when you get into sort of like the afterlife stuff, which has a lot of those same vibrant colors that the moon sequence stuff has in this. Like it feels like a really interesting mashup of Moana and Coco and, and probably a bunch of other stuff, but you know, Thor. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you want to talk about the Academy Awards. I did. Yeah. I think that might be uh danger zone stuff as well. Cause I want to know if you think like what you think is going to win and stuff. So I, I, I'm saving that until we're done after we rate it. All right. You got anything else on this before we rate it? Um, yeah, I noticed this, the first scene you were talking about when they show up and it's kind of that stadium scene where Shanji is singing her big song. Uh That to me was just so similar to Trolls World Tour. Man, I had that vibe too. There's a couple of scenes where I'm like, what the fuck's going on in this movie? (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, the frog, the frog flying was when I was like, what am I looking at? Like, I liked that part, but I was like, what is happening? But yeah, yeah I agree. It felt, exactly. it felt very like, especially with the clearly like not much work put into like the CGI replication of thousands of these sort of gooey minions. I was like, all right, it's fine. Yeah. It felt like a lot of this movie was a cop out. Like there was noticeably a lack of detail in a lot of the, the characters that weren't central to the plot. I mean, I think so too, but that also happened in soul in, in the pre life or whatever, when they're in heaven or wherever that is. And like, I liked it there. I thought it was a very bold artistic choice and here it just didn't play as well. Cause it, yeah, it is sort of like minimalist facial drawings on these things that look like little chewable candies. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't like it as much. Yeah. They just like in a world of, yeah, it's animation. So it's all fake, but you have all these characters that look real and have the right sure. parts. They just looked so artificial. It was like starburst with legs walking around. Yeah. I could see that working if it was done right. But I, yeah, I don't think that that particular aspect didn't work for me either. Yeah. That's it. That's probably all I had to say about that before we rate it and get to the danger zone. Okay. Then over the moon, Johnny out of 10, what you got? Out of 10, it was like a, like a five, eight, 5.8. It's a seven for me. If you haven't seen it yet, it is available on Netflix and let us know what you think. If you get a chance to see it, if you don't care to see it, we are going to spoil some stuff right after this fun sound. Danger zone. Okay. Spoilers inbound for over the moon. Number one. And I think this is the only thing I really care to talk about is that this is all just a metaphor, I think, for for this girl dealing with the grief of losing her mom. And like- 100%. So tying it up as a metaphor, I think gives me a little bit more, or allows me to give them more wiggle room. Like, okay, like you're you're making a point. Um, It's just too easy of a story. Like the the woman goes away and is waiting for her lover. It's like, yeah, your mom died and she's waiting for your dad. And like your dad should just eventually rejoin her. And like all of the stuff that happens, like the point where she's- um. Shanji goes and she loses the chance to see her lover again. And she like goes into this dark place. It's like, yeah, that's grief for sure. And then like depression, you need community and family to get you out of that. And then it parallels or mirrors rather at the end of the movie, like, um, uh, our gal goes, um, Feifei does and goes like back home and is finally like, okay, I can move forward. Like that stuff I think is a really important message. And even if it's not consciously in the minds of people, kids watching this, like, I think that does have an effect. And that is the one thing that this movie does, uh, I think bring to the table in terms of originality, because I mean, Coco deals with grief, obviously Moana, not as much. Um, and even Coco is more like remembering your family and less like, <laughs> I don't know, getting over the fact that people die. Um, and I love when things do that. Like soul did that. Like people die, we're all going to die. And the fact that this movie bothered with death and I think did it in a pretty accessible way earns points for me. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think that was really kind of the only thing that I had as well is that, yeah, it was it was all metaphor. And yeah, I mean, I was like, man, that guy should just talk to his daughter. But I mean, she was on her own journey and uh, her journey took her to the moon, which I feel like is a little extreme for most people. They're not going to go to that length. But yeah, I mean, in an animated movie, it worked. Sure. It was it was fine. It was tolerable. I liked the the food dogs that were just breathing on them and suddenly uh-huh. they could breathe on the on the moon. I mean, that immediately was like, I was okay, like, you should just, be, you should be dead is what I thought. I was like, wait, your helmet's off, yeah. your helmet's off, your helmet's off. Like, maybe we weren't following the rules. Who knows? But they, exactly. yeah, they got magic breath. And for some reason that worked in my brain. It's like, oh, okay, that checks out. Yeah, exactly. You're like, okay, all belief is now suspended. Right. We're, we're, it's, it's fine. We're just on, we're in fairy tale land now. Anything's possible. It's also kind of to say like, in order to watch this movie, you have to have this weird um, suspension of belief when it comes to science, but also by, like she was. By all, for, for all intents and purposes, like a genius, if you buy the fact that she goes to the moon, like 
even if you don't think that's true, like she's clearly into math and like spouts off facts about mooncakes and distances. And like, I have a hard time believing that that person is the same person that's like, there's a goddess on the moon. I have to go find her. Right. Cause that's how she presents to her family, regardless of if it happens or not. She's like, I think you heard it in the trailer. It's like, um, <clears throat> the goddess is waiting on the moon. Right. Dad. Right. Everybody. Right. I'm not crazy. I'm an adult. I know trigonometry, but I, I also think this, I'm like, okay, I, all right. For the maybe purpose of storytelling, I'll go with it. But that was a bit tricky for me. Yeah, like you're all scientific and logical to get <laughs> to a make believe person. Yeah, who uh, turned out to be real? So I was half expecting. Uh, is that what a Christian scientist is? <laughs> I think maybe. Man, was this movie actually about Christian science? I don't Shit. know, man. Could have been. I don't either. But yeah, I was half expecting this movie to end with her like waking up. Yeah, from I can see a that. dream yeah. or like yeah. some fever dream or something. Yeah. Which okay, maybe she actually went to the moon. I don't know. Yeah, I think the metaphor was healthy enough, and it might teach some children some lessons that are important enough. But for me, yeah, this this movie wasn't like for me. Like there was metaphor there that was worth gleaning something from, but as a movie overall, it wasn't entertaining enough or original enough to keep me engaged. Okay, so if I can predict your question slightly about the Academy Awards, we have Soul, Over the Moon, Onward, Wolfwalkers, and Farmageddon. Um, do you want to give me like in order or just general thoughts? Um, so I basically wanted to know what you think should win, what you think will win, kind of like what you were asking me earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, who do you think is going to walk away with this award? Um, and who do you wish would? And out of what you've seen so far of all of them, like, what's your favorite movie? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to just piggyback on you and I'm going to say based on what I know and having heard you speak, Farmageddon is probably not in the running. I think that's fine. But my personal knowledge, yeah, coming from these other four, um, I think that, I think that soul will probably take it. Like it's got the big funding as does onward. Um, but I think that soul had more to say. I think it was a better movie. Um, personally, I'm a big sucker for like Gaelic culture. Like wolf walkers was so cool to me. It was a different animation style than I'd seen. It's not quite that almost photorealistic CGI thing that a lot of these other movies have. Um, and even though soul does the cool stuff, the out, the, the outer plane things and like the, the afterlife stuff. Um, I think the effects were cooler in over the moon. Like I like the animation more. I think they did more, more, they use more techniques and were a little bit more diverse in their animation. Um, but combining animation and story and just impact on me, I think it's gotta be wolf walkers. I don't think that is what's going to win. Sadly. What about you? You know, I really think soul's going to win. I don't think there's any way it doesn't. It's just, mm, yeah, I knowing like the Academy Awards and the way they they run and like especially with the weight of someone like Jamie Foxx carrying a movie that's true that alone is just powerful and then dealing with 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 black culture and and jazz and so many of these things that are just so relevant and awesome and uh, maybe not represented enough I think that there's no way this movie doesn't walk away with the award and my personal favorite is Onward I think yeah. that. Yeah, that's my favorite out of the category. I'll cape for that movie all day long, uh, as just a big tabletop game guy, and and mm -hmm. I love I love the cast. I love that movie, so that's what I think is going to win. That's what I think should win, and that's what I think is my favorite. That's my take. I think second place for me, ooh, might be Wolfwalkers though. Oh, I nice. really did like that movie. It, it's grown on me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I could weirdly enough, I could take or leave um, onward. For I don't. It didn't really affect me that much. Like. I thought it was nice. It was a fun buddy movie and I get it. Like it, it made me tear up in the movie theater. It was really good, but 
I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I forgot it was even in the running. You know, I, well, granted it came out about a year ago at this point. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the oldest movie here, but lots happened. Yeah. I'm curious to see how it plays out too. Again, if anybody has thoughts um, on, on Oscar predictions in general, it's not for a few weeks here and we'd love to hear what you think, especially if you've seen any or all of these animated movies. Um, in the meantime, Johnny, you got any more thoughts on over the moon? No, man, let's, let's, let's end this orbit around the moon, put it to bed. Okay. You want to take a quick break? Let's do it. Johnny Summers, we have said it before. I will say it again. There are so many great beers that we get to try on this podcast, but often I don't want an entire beer. So what I do, and I recommend everybody else does, is go down to the comments right here in Chico. You can pour your own beer. You can pour two ounces. You can pour 16 ounces if you want. But they have great beers on tap. I encourage everybody to try as many of them as possible. Uh, also, real fun fact, they're also hosting one of our brackets. So you go down there, pour yourself a beer, and then you look up at the wall. You can see what is advancing in our Beer Madness Tournament, what is not, what has fallen behind, what is going to move forward. You can vote. It's a really, really great place to grab beer. That's right. Go check out our bracket. Uh, if you're wondering who's that guy staring at it in the corner, not paying attention to March Madness, March Madness, that's Max because he doesn't care about basketball. He cares only about podcasts. They are at 2412 Park Avenue. Go on down to the commons, have a drink. Tell them Max and Johnny sent you. Say the sacred words, pound the drums, invoke the hallowed aromas of mosaic. Transport yourself to a world where tropical fruits and wild blueberries have taken over. Fall deeper into a mosaic cryosleep. IPA chakras have aligned. All is good in the universe. All is good. Johnny Summers, what are we drinking next? We are drinking Hobgoblin Drum Circle from, you guessed it, the Good Wolf. It is a New England IPA, and it's 6.7%. Mosaic all day, baby. Yeah, man. Mosaic New England IPA. Super stoked for this one. Yeah. Oh, there's different stuff on the can, too. Yeah, I'm glad we caught that instead of me catching it 10 minutes later. Yeah, what does it say on the can? Yeah. Hobgoblin drum circle. You can hear the drums pound in the distance. Raspy voices chanting in syncopated tones. Mosaic. Mosaic cryo. Mosaic. (laughs) Mosaic cryo. You know, I was looking at the can and and then just hearing the name. It makes me think of the time that I, for about two months, played um, Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Nintendo Switch. In the early levels, like you just run across the plains and there's like little, I don't know what else to call them, if not hobgoblins or goblins. There's like Mm -hmm. sitting around a fire and then like you got to try to sneak up and fight them. And that's what this makes me think of. Granted, those experiences for me were very frightening because I don't uh, like that sort of thing. It scares me. And this experience so far has been very exciting. I'm looking forward to tasting this. Have you poured it or tasted it yourself? I've done both, man. I'm just so excited. I love beer so much and I love my job. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. What are you, uh, what are you getting? <laughs> so again, like before, this one has a massive nose. You're getting so much aroma on this and having it exclusive. Is it exclusive with Mosaic? I can't imagine them saying Mosaic that many times and not mentioning another hop. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say with a lot of confidence, yeah, it's just Mosaic. And yeah, mosaic Cryo, it, I guess it's different technically. Well, Mosaic Cryo is just uh, cryogenically frozen hops. Yeah, sure. That's So it's, it's still the same flavor. They yeah. don't change much. They're just preserved like Ted Williams. Okay. Oh, this beer is good though. It's a different approach, man. This one is is definitely a bit more full-bodied, and it has definitely a hop punchiness and less of a sweetness, and the hop punchiness mixes with the sweetness that is present, and it gives it kind of like a, like a medium, sweet, hoppy thing happening in the mouth. 
Yeah. It's definitely more assertive than the beer before. This beer is is good. It's interesting. It's so clearly mosaic just on the nose and on the flavor. It is there's there's no two ways about it. This is a mosaic driven IPA. So if you like mosaic hops, you're going to be into this. I think if you are on the fence about New England IPAs, you're probably going to be into this because it's it's really not aggressively juicy at all. It's definitely letting the hops take the wheel here. I'm 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 liking this beer. I'm not, I don't know if I'm loving it. I'm I'm liking it. What are what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, well, number one, I was I was just double checking, but it seems that most of the time people tend to go either cryo or or naturally stored hops. Um, and I'm wondering what the logic was. So maybe when I talk to Matt, we can figure this out. But um, I was reading an article briefly here on on brewdudes.com, um, and they were basically saying that like the cryo hops are just a little bit more aromatic. They got more flavor um, and represent the hop better in the aftertaste. And generally, the idea is that you would use cryo hops so you wouldn't have to use as many uh regular hops so i'm I'm wondering partially what this beer might taste like with one or the other and i think it's really interesting they chose to do both um yeah i also tasted it i i like it a lot i again love mosaic hops i think they're fantastic this brings all of the fruitiness and i think it pairs really well with this style um i've only had one sip but definitely liking it off the bat yeah i know for a fact that certain hops are cryo frozen just simply because of availability and like the harvest in relation to availability of fresh hops yeah uh, as far as being able to brew a beer year round i don't know if that pertains to mosaic specifically because it is one of the more widely utilized hops in brewing but i know for others that that is a relevant factor all that to say i'm i'm liking it i'm not loving it i definitely prefer the other one this one to me falls way more stylistically true to a new england ipa yes. in the mouthfeel the body the coating um and just that it's got to me it's got a taste in the after which would be an aftertaste sure for paying attention <laughs> that i'm not really digging man it's just kind of ah not globulous but it just reminds me of like an orange that's just a little too ripe that's yeah. just got like borderline mustiness it's just not not nearly as clean drinking as the first one um it's hard to not compare the two directly since we yeah, just reviewed fair. it yeah totally uh it's difficult but i mean that's kind of the point of doing a, a brewery totally two beers from a brewery is to be able to to compare and contrast uh for me personally the other one suits my my taste way more specifically uh, this one yeah it's got like that musty sweet bitterness that it really turns me off it's got a great mosaic character but i think personally it just the waters get a bit muddy and it falls into too many of those pitfalls that i don't like about this style so you should probably speak more on this one since you are are more of a fan of this than me probably yeah i'm the podcast mosaic czar um it's good man i i I also actually like the first one more, but it's not all based on flavor. I like the first one more because of the, uh, yeah, like the interesting factor. This is definitely more of a straightforward New England IPA. Granted, very much a mosaic New England IPA, but but still a standard New England IPA. The, the orange flavor you're describing is one that for me is like not off-putting at all. It's just like, yeah, there's, there's your sort of um, your New England template you know, and that's part of the drinking experience. And it's part of the experience that you don't particularly love. And that I, I either don't mind up to love sometimes. And somewhere for me, it's in that sort of, um, upper enjoyment range. And for you, it's the thing that I think, uh, makes you not like the style. 
That's fair. And for that to be a negative for me could be translated equally into a positive for yeah, for you. Totally. I think anybody that likes mosaic IPA or mosaic hops in an IPA, like this is this is great. Like it's but yeah, it's very much a New England hop. I don't or a New England IPA. Not necessarily something that's um shocking me or surprising me. Um, but it is really, really good. Yeah, it's really well made. I will give it that. I, I will say I'm not enjoying it thoroughly. Yeah. But it's it's solid. It's good. It's a beer that I would not shake a stick at, that's for sure. I think part of the letdown for me is how surprising and and unique the first beer was that yeah. this falls so into line with the category that it's just kind of like, oh, I wanted to be surprised again. Yeah, but totally. I'm not. Like it's there's this not terribly surprising. It's it's a New England IPA. It's it's way more what you expect. But I mean it's it's really well made and well executed. It just lacks the the uniqueness, I think, of, of the first beer, but still really good. And depending on what you're after, one may suit your taste so much more than the other. I think the real takeaway here is that they're making pretty damn good beer up there. Yeah, agreed. We were checking out their website as we got going here, and, and there's a bunch of beers on there. Um, they do a lot of experimental stuff, and I think we'll probably – I don't want to be too redundant. We'll probably talk about it in a couple of days, um, but I like – and I think this speaks to our enjoyment of the first beer. I like that they are trying new stuff. Like the first one had that experimental hop. Um, it was the, the HBC 586. And it's just, a, it's a new flavor, you know? And I think it's really cool when breweries or even just brewers on their own, even home brewers are just like, I'm going to try something new. Like let's, that's how, that's how great things I think in general are invented. That's how music comes about. Like people are just trying to uh, not reinvent the wheel, but maybe, uh, you know, smooth it out a little bit, make it a little bit rounder. Maybe put it on a magnetic track to float on instead of wheels. Who knows? Whatever they're doing. Right. Um, yeah, man, I like this one a lot, but still like the first one better, which is, again, not um, not downplaying this beer at all. Yeah, it's not a knock for sure. It's just I think we both prefer the first one. So, hot damn. They're both good. Yeah. They're definitely both good. Are you ready to rate this one? Let's do it. Hobgoblin Drum Circle from The Good Wolf. Johnny, out of 10, what'd you get? Uh, out of 10, it feels like uh, like a 7-1. Seven point one. I think that's totally respectable, and it's right in the wheelhouse. I've I've heard you rate New England IPAs very good ones much lower, so I think that's mm-hmm. fair. For me, it's an eight, eight out of ten, solid ass New England IPA. I would super drink it again. Um, thanks again, the Good Wolf. We appreciate you guys hooking us up with these. Um, looking forward to chatting with you in a couple days here. Also, uh, I am looking forward to getting up there. This is a yeah. brewery that I'm I'm gonna be visiting in 2021, guaranteed. Yeah, this fair. is killer. And I've heard rumor that a friend of mine is going to be playing some music in Reno yes, this year. So that true. might be a good little pit stop. Maybe Maxi picks up some beer on the way back. Oh, that'd be great, man. Yeah, again, the, their tap room at the Good Wolf is open like six days a week. So um, if you're in the area or you're going to be in the area, swing by. Do it. Grab some great beers. I We both fully endorse this. Yeah, 100%. Johnny, let's get to Hot and Bother. What do you think? Let's do it, Max. Kick it off. Okay, so last Saturday I played a show at uh, at the Commons. You've just heard from them. Uh, well, you've heard from us about them. But it was the first time I've played there in several months. The weather's kind of warmed up a little bit, and we were playing out on the patio, myself and, and my buddy Rob on the drums. And it was one of those nights that a lot of stars had aligned, like a lot of friends were free, so it ended up being a good crowd. And I was also like, I was driving home from a gig a few weeks prior, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to learn a bunch of like early 2000s alternative songs. So we played songs like Lips of an Angel from Hinder, uh, Basket Case by Green Day, like a bunch of Maroon 5 that we never played. I busted out an acapella song about whiskey. We did a song from the School of Rock. So it was one of those nights, you know? 
Um, and it just ended up being like a really, really nice re-entry into playing at the commons. And that's going to be a thing that's happening. Uh, I, you know, like every three weeks, I think is what's going on lately or in the future rather. Um, perfect. So you just played there with, uh, with our buddy Kyle Williams yeah, this last Wednesday, if I'm point. not mistaken. Yeah. And I think Kyle's there about every other Wednesday. So there, uh, yeah, as the weather's warming up, they're doing a lot more music stuff. So if you, I don't even, even if you're listening to this podcast, you like, there's no reason not to be there. I'll be there sometimes. Our bracket is there. Great beers. You'll probably bump into Johnny at some point, even if I'm not I'm there. there. Like we're, yep. it's just, a, it's a cool spot. It's right here on the South end of town. Like we mentioned, and this is, this is not even part of a paid promotion. We're just, you know, this is, we like, we like the commons a lot. It's where we've been hanging out. And, uh, yeah. And if you don't follow him on social media, you should, that's yep. the easiest way to ch- find out when Max or is sure. going to be there or Kyle or, um, me, maybe yeah, sure. not really, not <laughs> yeah, so we'll, much we'll, me we'll gets you on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. they anyways, don't really advertise when I'm there. Yeah. There's a good segue there, which is to say that, yeah, that we have, we have our beer madness posters. We have three of them now. They're real four by three, four feet by three feet. And they live around Chico. They're living one at the commons, one at the handlebar and one downtown at burgers and brew. Um, and it was just so cool. Like I designed it and had it sent off into the internet to be printed by a company. And like, there's this fear whenever I, like whenever I make CDs or merch or anything, like something's going to be wrong. Like they're going to send me a thousand of these and like, there's gonna be one typo and I just have to live with that. And we Mm -hmm. got these brackets and they look gorgeous. Like everything's in high resolution. They're as far as I know so far are no typos. The QR code, the links to our website to vote works. And it was just so fun. We spent the other day, Johnny, you and I did, um, putting them up at those places and like chatting with people that we like at those places and um, just really kind of solidifying those relationships. And it just feels really encouraging to to have that um, as a physical manifestation. Like, yeah, we got this beer madness tournament. People seem to like it, which is always nice, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's immediate feedback and it's cool, man. I had a great time with you cruising around doing all that. Yeah. Um. So that's been my week. Those are my highlights. What about you? What you got going on? Beautiful. I've got a fully loaded and stacked to the brim hot this week. Okay. I'm going to try and and condense it as much as possible. I'm going to give you a quick take on the Snyder Cut of the (laughs) Justice League. That sounds Uh, like an oxymoron. Yeah, right? It was four (laughs) hours long. Okay. Snyder Cut, Justice League. Watched it the day it came out. Said I was going to. Here it is, guys. It was real good. It was head and shoulders a superior film to the original cut. Sorry, Joss Whedon, you kind of screwed this movie up. Oh, wait, just just uh, as a quick refresher, did you like the original one, or were you like, it's good, but it could have been better? Or were you like, this is trash? It was trash. Okay, great. Didn't, didn't like it at all. It was a crap movie. It was cheesy. The story was full of holes. It felt not finished. It okay. felt not correct. Could you, by chance, uh, give us some background on, on why this happened, or do you not know? I, I don't know. Uh, but. Yeah, mid, like, right towards the end of filming, right before they got into post and reshoots mm-hmm. and editing and stuff, um, Zack Snyder's daughter actually took her own life. Okay. Um, re- nice. Really sad. Her yeah. daughter, her his daughter, Autumn, um, and so he obviously couldn't finish it, and there's actually a really cool Easter egg. They put in a suicide awareness billboard in the movie, which I will, I'll send to you or something. It was nice. There was a really cool Easter egg in there. Um, so yeah, needless to say, he couldn't finish this movie. He had other things going on like a massive tragedy. And so luckily they gave him the leeway to fulfill his vision. So I felt I owed it to him just to like, just to follow through. Like I sat through the first one. I need to watch this. Okay, sure. And, um, I really liked it. It was probably too long. It was four hours long, but <laughs> his daughter died. The, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I I know. No, four hours is too long. Look, it's that's too long. 
it's but, too but long. Okay. But you know, I set a timer on my phone and I, I took an intermission. Mm-hmm. It was divided into eight parts, so it was kind of nice to uh, wait a minute. The, go through the it. movie was yes. How and so? It's like on screen visually, like part one. Oh, blah, I see. Blah, blah. I see. Part two. It was yeah. Uh, there's a word for that. I don't know what it is, but anyways, uh, I liked it. It was significantly more cohesive of a film in not only overall tone and just vibe and aesthetic and also dialogue. It just fit together so much more. It didn't feel like a cheap, cheesy, half-cocked representation of this movie. To me, it felt like this is as good as this movie's going to get. Yeah. It was way better than the original, and I think it's 1,000% worth a watch if you like DC movies. It was a significantly hard R. Mm-hmm. There was probably, I don't know if someone say way more violence, but a significant amount more of violence than the other one. And um, overall, I think it was well worth the watch. It is a long commitment, but if you're a fan of superhero movies, I think it's a must-watch. I, I liked it. I'm going to say a big thumbs up from me. Um. This is so stupid, and I feel dumb. You said this is the Snyder Cut of Batman versus Superman or the Justice League? The Justice League. So the bad guy is, uh, was it Steppenwolf? Steppenwolf, Does yes. that guy look the same? They made him look a little different. Because he looked bad. Like, just bad. The no, I, I re- I re- no, I really enjoyed him as a villain. I actually mm. kind of was invested in his arc. They actually gave him significantly more background. That would help. Yeah, And also, the whole movie base is... Like there's one really important story arc in this movie that got completely cut out of the original. Yeah. And it makes so much more sense. Like given this movie should have had like two more origin story movies and then you give us like a two and a half hour blockbuster. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that. So like I said, this is the best that they can do with what they have. I think Zack Snyder really kind of redeemed his movie and gave it some credibility and made it worth watching. So they fixed a lot. Is, uh, is is Ben Affleck still Batman? Yes. You can't fix everything. Um, right. Okay. But the, the next thing on your list is, oh, wait, real quick, where can people watch it if they want to? Uh, Amazon, no, uh, HBO. Amazon. HBO Max. HBO. Right. HBO yeah. Max, yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman from the Amazon, DC character, so still kind of works. Exactly. There's a new comedy special out by one of my favorite comedians, Nate Bargatze. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping you'd have watched this by the time we recorded. I did. All right, well, so this can be both of our hots then, right? Well, yeah, it could be like a lukewarm for me. Yeah. there's. We'll talk. Go first. (laughs) I wanted to bring it up because I knew he's one of your favorite comics, and by your recommendation, I've Mm -hmm. become a fan of it. Yeah. So I wanted to invest some time in this, and I love stand-up comedy, and this is one of the only original ones to come out besides that pile of garbage that kevin hart put out anyways yeah okay uh yeah so nate bargazzi put out essentially what is a quarantine yeah. influenced basically all of his material uh stand-up special yeah. outdoors really quickly in- if, you, if you don't know nate bargazzi he's he's from tennessee he he's very much like an observational comic but he talks about his life and like his thing is that like he's dumb like and he's not i don't think like he clearly knows what he's doing but like that's kind of the shtick is like here's my here's my crazy life like my dad was a magician and i'm a comedian so i also have a southern drawl and it's he's very very funny and charming but his thing is like sort of sort of quote a little unquote, self-deprecating like, and, and deprecating for sure um 
So I just feel like that's that's worth maybe throwing out before you keep talking. But now we have. Yeah, absolutely. I liked it. I didn't love it. I think it wasn't his strongest work, but it mm-hmm. was just my main reason for putting this on my list was I was so happy to see a new stand-up special. Yeah. You know, a completely, as Max would say, fine stand-up special right now is like it's a breath fantastic. of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, like dude, I'll thing. take it. Yeah. Like Nate Bargatze has new jokes. I'll take it. I giggled a bunch. Some stuff I didn't laugh at. It's fine. They're not all going to be winners. He hasn't had the chance to tour around and test out this material. He's literally just firing from the hip. So that alone is, I wrote this by myself in a room. I'm going to say it to some people and hope they like it, is ballsy and brave and inspiring because he's taking risks. Like you're watching a comedian put himself out there and take risks and be vulnerable and maybe not get the laughs, and maybe have helicopters flying over. But you know what? He's doing the damn thing. And I really liked it. I liked it for what it was. Like I said, it wasn't his best work, but it was solid. It was for sure solid. Yeah, not to deflate it and what you're saying 100%, but like he did mention he's been doing like a drive, a drive-in movie screening kind of tour. Like he's been going around and like- Oh, yeah. It's like he's, it's not like he's totally going off the cuff, but it's certainly relatively new material. Yeah, it's mostly about sort of COVID and- um, what it's like to be a, a, an artist during COVID, or a comedian in particular, um, and like be married during COVID. Like, there's a lot of that stuff. My only thing with this special, and it's the same problem I have with most of his, is that there isn't a whole lot of um, what's the way to describe it? It's it's very it's you know Mitch Hedberg. I'm sure you do. Oh yeah, like Mitch Hedberg is sort of like a redneck one-off. He's like, what do you call a do-do-do? Well, you call it this, and then he moves on to the next joke. And then at some point after an hour, he's like, that's all the jokes I got. Goodbye. And like he was not a redneck. What are you, Mitch? Mitch Hedberg? Yeah, he for sure is. No. Yes, look him up right now. He absolutely is. He's like a he's like a goofball redneck. He's not a redneck. He was a heroin addict from New York City. Are you insane? I never. He's the far. He's the farthest thing from a redneck. He had. He was a very like one liner comedian, but no, Mitch Hedberg was not like a redneck like. Like like Larry the Cable Guy comedian. Okay, that's true. Or like Bill, uh, what's his name? Bill Eng- Engvall. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I've never seen him. I just always I felt like his jokes were about like farms and like tractors oh God, and no. sandwiches. Okay, you're 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 speaking out of pocket. Yeah, for sure. So thank you. For, Way off for, base. For, okay, fine, fine. Then not like Mitch Hedberg. But the point is, uh, a one liner comedian who at some okay, point but- is is done with jokes. I but, mean, that's that comparison is for sure accurate. But Nate Bergutzi tells like these sort of long story based jokes. So it doesn't yeah. make sense when it's like, like this special ends and it's like, he's like, thanks everybody. Have a great night. I'm like, you're done. Like, I think like this story wasn't even over. <laughs> like, I, I yeah. don't know. I just wish he had like, granted my, one of my favorite, if not my favorite comedians of all time is Mike Birbiglia, who is just all about like long form storytelling and like tangents and like that tangent comes back and it connects to this. And then it's like, it's all forming a bigger picture and you're sort of like slowly zooming out. And then by the final minute you're like everything makes sense and with Nate Bargatze it's like you're chuckling the whole time but basically nothing makes sense by the end which is who cares yeah. but uh, it's not like a master class on storytelling I guess is all I'm saying and I think For he, sure. I think he could do that yeah exactly to to put a finer point on it it felt like the whole hour of comedy just wasn't very polished yeah yeah but yeah. even his most just, polished stuff does kind of feel like that you know a little bit, yeah. He has that kind of just sporadicness to him of that. It's like he's a little bit of a mix of like a one-liner, like Stephen Wright type comic mixed with like a long format, 
like Bill Hicks type comic. Yeah. And I just, and it's personal preference. I just want him to go to like that next level. And it's not, that's, I don't mean that to sound um, negating of what he's doing. It's just like, for me, that's more fulfilling to me. Like, cause he can connect all these stories. Like he's been talking about his daughter and his marriage for years. Like I just want some, some punctuation at the end of these stories, like a period or a, it seems like they've all just kind of been ellipses. I'm like, when the fuck is the sentence going to pick up again? And it's like a year and a half later. And sometimes he picks it up and sometimes he doesn't. And yeah. I want more. Yeah, he needs like a stronger closing bit for yeah, sure. Because he's just like, like, I'm done. Like I feel like well, his it, comedy is what it's like to have sex with him. You know what I mean? It's okay, over. I'm gonna I'm All going right. to Burger King now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be here on the couch unsatisfied, I guess. Yeah, exactly. No, he could for sure use a better closer, but yeah. so yeah, wasn't the best comedy special I've ever seen, but it was new, and that's why I liked it. And very funny. And it's on Netflix. Yeah. It is. It was it was worth a watch if you're bored. It's good to have a couple drinks and giggle a little. Yeah. Um, so my last hot of the week is you. Oh, is that what that means? I almost deleted that. I thought it was a typo. I just see the letter M. No, it's there to remind me I wanted to talk about you for mm-hmm. a minute. Without um, letting me know. Very sly. Okay. Yeah, it's it's twofold. One, I wanted to shout you out for doing basically all of the work for, for Beer Madness. I think that is a bit of an unsung badassness that you possess that maybe not a lot of people know that... You've literally done like 99% of the work for this. Oh, I'm getting uncomfortable. Um, Thank you. That's nice. And it means it means a lot, and you deserve to be shouted out for it, because I didn't design a fucking banner. <laughs> I don't know how to do that shit. I didn't put together a fucking bracket. Thanks, man. And uh, I know you probably put in too much time, because you're an obsessive perfectionist. Sure, sure, sure. But without those characteristics, the show wouldn't be what it was, so I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Um, but to bring it in on a bit more of a, a personal note um i don't really ask for help ever like i tr- i probably should more than i do um but i've been really trying to be more self-aware and like realize when i don't have a skill set that's good for something to be like a better teammate and like rely on people around me that I work with or that I have a business relationship with or a friendship like you, Yeah, which was, it's a little bit of an amalgam of all three of those with you and me. Sure. We have a very unique relationship, but you have a very certain skill set that is so applicable in some situations. And I, I had a situation in my life where I needed assistance in telling someone something that they didn't want to hear. And that would be hard to say, and I didn't want to pour gasoline all over the bridge of that relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know who else to text about it but you. And you composed some things and basically some speaking points and almost kind of wrote me like a script because you knew what I wanted to say. And you're that friend that knew how to say what I needed to say without needing more details like you knew my intent and you knew that i didn't have the words to say something sensitive enough and you helped me out of a real tight situation and it meant the fucking world to me and i just wanted everyone to know that it was amazing and it meant a lot and i thank you for that thanks man yeah i don't I don't even necessarily think you wouldn't have the words for that i just know that when i've been in similar situations like sometimes the emotional investment that i am in like my brain just doesn't go to those places so it's nice to have yeah someone who's a little bit less emotionally involved um yeah maybe like this is what i would do and if it feels good do it um did you did you end up having that conversation yeah and it went way better than i wow it would have if i was on my own so. i'm glad to hear it man yeah happy to help whenever possible 
Yeah, it was much appreciated. And some things are best tackled not alone, especially when you don't. Yeah, I'm not good at like I'm really good at like being the business guy and like yeah, yeah. negotiating and cutting deals and like. But when it comes to the the sensitivity and and saying things out of love in a way that actually sounds like that. Yeah. I'm dog shit at it. And I disagree with you. I wouldn't have ever found the right words. <laughs> I would have, it would have started a fight and it would have gone to shit. Yeah, and, maybe. and it didn't happen because of you. So that is why Max is my hot this week. Yeah, I do. I think some things are better tackled as a team uh, or with, with collaboration with friends. Some of those things that we believe in are beer and movies. So yeah, if you believe what we believe, maybe join us on Patreon, you know, check it out. It's super easy. Give us a buck or two each and every week. We super appreciate it. You get bonus content. If you don't want to do that, play Beer Madness. Vote in uh, what is now live round two. Give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. Uh, per usual, the show wouldn't be possible without Bailey Minardi. Um, thanks to our friends at The Handlebar at the commons john you got anything else people need to thank anything like that uh yeah thanks again for voting uh thanks again for max for all the hard work go vote check out the website tell a friend to vote get involved pay attention and also like tag the breweries if you're voting for a beer oh yeah i think they deserve to win tag the breweries get them involved not all the breweries are involved if you've listened this far you're a real fucking fan Get in there, tag some breweries, harass them, tag get the them involved. Brewery. Tag the other, be like, I'm voting for this one instead. Yeah. Get them mad. Tag all the breweries. Yeah. I don't care. Get them fired up. <laughs> Any press is good press. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, that's all, man. Go vote. Enjoy it. Drink good beer and be good to each other. That's Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. We're Fresh Hop Cinema. And Max, plug in the goddamn fridge. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.